Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you, and it's an honor to be here with you. It's an honor to get to, to preach out of this uh, series, Unshakable, as we go through the book of Daniel. Um, I'm Pastor Tom. I'm pastor of the small groups here at Rockbrook Church, but I also want you to know a little bit uh, more about me, tell you a little bit. Um, I was an, a union iron worker for about 16 years, and the only reason that I tell you that this morning is because um, this topic that I'm going to talk about, um, I believe in it, I've done it, I've tested it, and it works, and it's will you stand for God publicly, or will you stand for God strong publicly? So I want you to know that I'm saying this up here as a pastor, I've been there, done that, okay? And so I don't want you to think, oh yeah, pastor, it's nice for you to go tell us to go stand strong for God publicly, but you got people coming here wanting to hear Jesus. People I'm around, they don't want to hear it. I believe in these truths. And so we've been, we've been in this series, Unshakable, and we've been looking at the, the life of Daniel out of the book of Daniel in the, in the Old Testament, and we're learning from him how to live in a culture that wants to shake us at our very core, wants to shake our faith. And we come today looking at Daniel's eighth major test. And at this point, Daniel is about 82 years old. And uh, remember when we started this series, Daniel was um, about 15 years old. He's a teenager, and he's uh, drug off as a prisoner of war to a foreign land in a culture that's very different than his and uh, forced to learn uh, their, their, their ways, their culture. And to kind of give you an idea how I would kind of think about this and relate that to today, today's uh, culture. It'd be like taking a Christian homeschooler and throwing him in a frat house on a major college campus and telling him this is where you're going to get the rest of your education. You know, eat our food, drink our Kool-Aid, learn our worldview, you know, uh, represent our school with pride. So as you can imagine, Daniel faced some pretty tough situations in his life. In fact, we've discovered that he's been tested about at about every uh, stage in his life. And so I want to recap uh, what happened in Daniel 5 last week, and then we're going to jump in to Daniel 6. At the end of Daniel chapter 5, uh, King Belshazzar, the king of the Babylonian Empire, uh, we discovered he wasn't a good king. He liked to party a lot. That's all he was interested in doing, and he does something really stupid. He, um, he orders that the, the cups that the, Jewish, that the Jews used for their temple worship be brought into his party so him and his guests could drink from these cups and get drunk and worship pagan gods. So God's had enough of this king. He's tired of him. And so he delivers a message to the king, and he does it in a supernatural way. This hand appears out of nowhere, just a hand that's sent from God, and it writes a message on the wall. And the only person that can interpret that message is Daniel. And so uh, Daniel interprets the message, and he delivers some very bad news to the king. He says to the king, you're going to lose your uh, empire tonight, and you're going to be executed. So, uh, and this is no joke, what does this drunk king do? He promotes Daniel. He promotes him to the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And just like Daniel predicted, the, Pers the Persians and the Medes, they conquer the Babylonians, and then uh, Darius the Mede kills King Bas Belshazzar. Now we pick up in Daniel 6. Daniel is about to face another major test in his life. Uh, uh, Daniel has a new boss. This is King Darius uh, the Mede. He's about 62 years old, and he is a general with another guy, uh, Cyrus the Persian, Cyrus the Great. 
And uh, so Daniel, he's here in the royal palace. He's got a new boss. The Persians and the Medes have taken over. And usually, you know how it goes. When, when a new administration comes in, a new boss comes in, sometimes they just like to clear house and get everybody out, bring in their own guys. Not Daniel. Daniel's an amazing guy. And, and, and these kings, they want to keep Daniel around. Uh, let's look at, the, and, they, and they keep promoting, promoting him. Look, let's look at the last part of uh, Daniel 6.3. The king planned to put Daniel in charge of the entire kingdom. This is King uh, Darius. So, I mean, look at this. Daniel just got a promotion to the third highest ruler. And that night, a new guy takes over. And next thing Daniel knows, he's getting promoted to the, the highest ruler in the kingdom. So here's a great question for us to ask is how, how does this guy Daniel, this straight-laced religious Jewish guy keep getting promoted in this pagan culture? What is it about him that makes him so different and sets him apart? And I think this is really important to look at because I, I love you guys and I want you to get promoted, right? So let's look at how Daniel gets promoted there on your outline. Uh, the, uh, I want you to write this down. Daniel's professional competence makes him stand out. So first part of Daniel 6.3, Daniel so distinguished himself above all the others by his, his exceptional qualities. You know, Daniel never stops learning. He was constantly learning new skills and bringing solutions to problems, figuring out ways to make things better. And from my personal experience, you know, what I, what, what I learned is that bosses don't like critics. And it's not that you, you can't point something out, but if you're going to point something out, then bring a solution. That's what a boss likes. A boss likes a team player. And Daniel was a guy who was always learning how to make things better. And as a result, he made these kings prosper. They wanted to keep him around. The next one there I want you to write down, Daniel's personal character made him stand out. His personal character made him stand out. Daniel 6, 4, when the administrators heard the news, so these administrators had heard the news that Daniel's going to get another promotion, they tried to find a reason to undermine Daniel in his work and accuse him of misconduct. But they were unable to do so. Uh, it says they could not find anything to say against him. I want you to look at this list. This is Daniel's character. He was honest, Reliable, hardworking, and incorruptible. He was never lazy or negligent in any task. Here's another thing I want you to know about Daniel. Daniel's not a pastor. Daniel's, Daniel's just a guy that's committed to his faith. And he's been drug off to a foreign land, and he's been given a job, and he does his job very well. And, 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 and from my experience, most people don't get promoted at work because they don't have good character. They don't have a good work ethic. You know, if I went to your place of employment, what would your employer or your fellow employees have to say about you? You know, are, are you on time every day? Are you a go-getter? Do you stay busy? Are you a team player? Or would they have negative things to say? Look, he, he's late, he's dishonest, he's always stirring things up at work. Daniel was uh, committed to his faith. He was a man of character. Most people don't get promoted for their lack of good character. Our next one here, Daniel's public commitment to God made him stand out. This, was, this is the one thing that makes Daniel stand out from everybody else. Daniel 6.5, his co-workers concluded, 
our only chance of finding any grounds to get rid of Daniel will be find something to accuse in his religious practices. So Daniel is very committed to his faith. And this is where we get into the meat of our study. So let me ask you this. With those who you spend a lot of time with, maybe it's even the people at work, would, would they, do they, or do they even know that you're a Christian? Do they know you're a Christian? They, they knew Daniel was, was committed to God, and the officials con, concocted a Daniel trap. You know, we've got the Daniel plan. This is, this is the Daniel trap. Let's read the story, verses 6 and 9. The officials who wanted Daniel removed from office went to the king. And they said, King Darius, live forever. How many of you can recognize what's going on right here, right? They're kissing up to the boss. Oh, King Darius, you're so great. You're the man. Live forever, buddy. And they go on to say, you know, we've, con- we've convened every- everyone. Of course, not Daniel. And we've all agreed for the next 30 days, everyone should pray to you. So what are they doing here? They're they're appealing to King Darius' ego. And so they're trying to to manipulate him so that they can trap Daniel. And then they go on to say, and we think you should issue an edict saying that anyone who disobeys your order by praying to anyone else during the next 30 days will be tossed into the pit where your lions are kept. And let's, and, let, and let's put this decree in writing so it, can, it can't be altered or repealed according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians. And that's exactly what King Darius did. So you guys have heard of the story of, of Daniel and the lion's den? That's, that's the story we're looking at today. And so and the law of the, Mer, of, the, of the Medes and the Persians is very famous. Okay, And what that simply means, it means that once King Darius signs it into law... According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, it it can't be repealed. So King Darius himself, even though he put it into law, cannot reverse the law. That's the law of the Medes and the Persians. So these guys are so desperate to get rid of Daniel, they pass a national law to trap one guy. They've had it with Daniel. Daniel keeps um, finding favor with these kings. He keeps getting promoted, and he's committed to their faith. They're sick of Daniel. They want to get rid of him. But how does Daniel respond to this test? You know, everybody's got to stop praying to their gods, and you've got to pray to the emperor for 30 days or you're going to die. You know, Daniel could keep praying to his god in secret, and then in public he could fake pray to King Darius. He could do that, and some would say, well, what would be wrong with that to save your life? And although Daniel could do this, if he did, then his enemies get what they want. Because remember, they're going after his faith. That's the only thing they can accuse him of. And so they wanted him to back down from his faith. And Daniel was the kind of guy that was committed to his faith. Daniel was the kind of guy that prayed in public and they knew it. And they knew they could catch him here. You know, I know that there are, there are, there are some Christians that they're afraid to pray in public in a restaurant. You know, maybe they're at Jose Peppers and they know a lot of people from this area come in there and they think, I'm not going to pray here. Somebody's going to come in here and see me praying and, and you know, what will they think? What will the waiters think? Are they going to think I'm some kind of religious fanatic? But let me, let me tell you something. Nobody's going to think anything of it. My family and the people that I hang around with, we pray in public, in restaurants before we eat a meal. And here's generally what happens. 
either the waiter or the waitress will stand there out of respect and wait for us to get done, or sometimes they pray with us, which is really cool, or sometimes somebody will come up to our table and say, you know what, that was really encouraging, encouraging to me to see you and your family praying together in public. And uh, my wife and I, we, um, we have some people that we hang out with and, and we do dinner with, and um, one of the couples, they're Buddhist. And out of my hope to share my faith with them, I didn't want to offend them by um, praying uh, before our meal and, and, and making them pray to my God, which is Jesus. And uh, then lo and behold, one day, um, you know, she knew where I stood. She knew my faith. I talk about it. Um, she said, um, hey, Tom, why don't you pray for us before the meal? I was like, well, okay. So I blessed our group. I blessed the meal, and I ended it with, in Jesus' name, amen. And every, every since then, uh, we go out, and before our meal, I pray for our meal. And I pray in Jesus' name. You know, a great way to practice standing strong is by praying in public. You know, anybody can be a secret disciple, a secret Christian. You know, you've heard the saying, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Some Christians have the motto, what happens in church stays in church. What does Daniel do here? You know, it's the big idea of our message today. Will you stand strong for God publicly? Let's look at what he did, verse 10. When Daniel learned that the new law had been signed, he went home and knelt down to pray as usual in the upstairs room with the windows wide open toward Jerusalem. I love it. Daniel does what he's always done. It says he, uh, he prayed as usual. And as usual, he opened the windows and he prayed in public. Daniel is committed to his faith and telling Daniel not to pray would be like me telling you to hold your breath for 30 days. You know, you couldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. It'd cost you your life. And, but his enemies knew exactly what Daniel would do because that is Daniel's life. And so they go together to Daniel's house and sure enough, he is praying. They catch him. The, the trap worked. So another great question we need to be asking is why is he unafraid to stand strong for God publicly. You know, he knows what the law says. If I, if I don't pray to this emperor, I'm going to be thrown into the pit with a bunch of hungry lions. I want you to write these down with, with me. Uh, it says, the first one here, he remembered that God was faithful in the past. Daniel remembered that God had been faithful to him in the past. You know, let's remember, Daniel's been tested before. And God took care of Daniel when they said, you have to eat our kind of food. God took care of Daniel and his friends when they, say, when they told him that you guys have to bow down to uh, the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. And God took care of Daniel when he had to deliver the bad news to the king that, uh, hey, you're going to lose your kingdom tonight and you're going to die. He remembers that God had been faithful to him in the past. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to go home and write down those times when God has been faithful to you in the past. When God showed up when you were in a, in a bad situation and God pulled you out of the pit. He rescued you. Because that'll do uh, one of two things for you if you go home and, and, and do that exercise. Number one, it's going to strengthen your faith even more. Or the second thing you may realize is, well, maybe I know about God, but maybe, maybe I don't 
have faith in God. You know, another word for faith is trust. When is the last time you've trusted God with anything in your life? You know, when you're in a situation that seems hopeless, remember how God has been faithful to you in the past. Second thing, he had a conversation with God three times a day. The verse said he knelt down to pray as usual. He prayed three times a day just as as he had always done his entire life. Daniel had a conversation with God three times a day his entire life. Daniel didn't know about God. Daniel had a relationship with God. He had a conversation with God three times a day. He was not worried. So the question I want to ask you is, what would happen to you and to I if we prayed to God three times a day? What would happen? You cannot go into the presence of God and not come out of it with some kind of life transformation. I mean, you see it all through the Bible. People come into the presence of God and their lives change. If we prayed to God three times a day, we came into the presence of God and had a conversation with him, our lives would change. And we have the Daniel plan, the Daniel trap. Now we've got the Daniel hotline to God, right? We just got to pray. You know, the, the, the secret to standing strong for God publicly is kneeling often. Then there's the third thing that kept him from being shaken by all of this. Uh, He knew the rewards were greater than any risk. Could Daniel lose his life? Yes, he could. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there will come a day when you're going to have to decide to obey God rather than men. You know, our number one allegiance as Christians is to God. You know, the Ten Commandments, the the first commandment says, you shall not have any other gods besides me. And Jesus told us that the greatest commandment is to love God. Daniel knew that the rewards of doing the right thing far outweighed the risk. So another great question to ask today is, well, what are the rewards? What are are the benefits? So I want to look at the benefits, the rewards, the standing Uh, strong for God publicly. Number one, standing for God is a victory over our fear. You know, fear is not a bad thing. Fear is an emotion. It's a feeling. And it can cause us to have caution. It can uh, help us to stop and to think things through before we proceed with something. And it it, it can make us aware of what's going on around us. But remember, what's good for us, the enemy will turn that around and he'll turn it into a negative. So I want you to write this down about fear. Fear is just a feeling and it cannot last. You know, whenever you have a feeling, particularly negative ones, uh, we tend to think that that feeling is going to last forever. You know, it brings us down. Even the positive feelings. Do positive feelings last forever? Does happiness last forever? No, it doesn't. You know, I mean, you guys are probably like me. Uh, you're on an emotional roller coaster. One day you're up, one day you're down. One day you're up, one day you're down. But fear is a feeling and it cannot last. Second thing you need to know about fear, fear is uncomfortable, but it won't kill me. I want you to write this down about fear. Fear, F-E-A-R. It means false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. 
Fear is uncomfortable, but it won't kill you. Fear itself is not going to kill you. Here's the third one. Fear grows when I give into it, but it lessens when I move against it. You know, that's what courage is. Courage is not lack of fear. Courage is standing up, standing against uh, when you are afraid. I want you to be a man of courage, a woman of courage. You know, when was the last time you moved against your fear? You did the thing that you're most afraid of. Maybe it's uh, reconciling with somebody. Maybe it's sharing your faith with somebody. I want to encourage you to pray like the first Christians prayed. You know, uh, the first Christians in the New Testament, um, you know, they... um, they, they, have a, they, they were under persecution, they belonged to the Roman Empire, and uh, the, the Romans passed a law that it was uh, unlawful to be a Christian, so if you announced you were going to be a Christian, they would throw you into the Colosseum so you could be eaten by the lions, or they would, strung you, they would string you up by the roadside on a cross for everyone to see. And here's what the first Christians prayed, Acts 4.29. I want you to turn this prayer into a personal prayer. And, um, it, it, and it goes like this, Lord, you know the threats people make, so help us as your servants to speak your word without fear. So I would say, put it like this, Lord, you, you know the threats people make to me on the job site, so help me, Tom, your servant, to speak your word without fear. You know, turn that verse into a personal prayer. Fear disappears when I move against it. Number two, standing for God builds my faith and my character. You know, faith and character are are like a muscle. And the only way to develop a muscle is to put it under stress. And that's what weight training is all about. You know, your muscle doesn't grow by doing big daddy donut arm curls, right? You got to put them under under stress, under tension. 2 Timothy 1.8, it says, You must never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord with the strength that God gives you be ready to suffer if necessary to share the good news. You know, are you, are you ashamed to share the Lord with others? Don't be, don't be ashamed. The Lord will give you strength. And that's character. You'll build your character. Every time you do the tough thing, that builds your confidence. It builds wisdom. It makes you more like Jesus Christ. It builds your faith. Number three, standing for God gives God an opportunity to do a miracle. You know, the truth is, most Christians have never experienced a miracle in their life. And the reason they haven't experienced a miracle is because they don't put themselves out on a limb. You know, if you play it safe all the time, you're never going to experience a miracle. The times I have seen the most miracles in my life is when I'm the most public with my faith especially when sharing my faith. You know, when I was an iron worker, I mean, I could tell you story after story of where God showed up and a miracle happened. You've got to put yourself in a position where the only option is, is to trust God. Daniel saw a miracle because he stood for God publicly. He trusted God. He remembered what God had done in the past. Here's what happens I'm going to sum up Daniel verses 12 through 17 really quick. Basically what happens, they um, arrest Daniel, they throw him in the pit with these hungry lions, and they roll a stone over the top of the pit so Daniel can't get out. And then we're going to pick up in Daniel uh, verses 18 through 23. It says, Then the king 
returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. At the light of first dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the pit filled with lions. And when he got there, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? You know, this guy is worried about it. He loves Daniel. He didn't realize that it was Daniel they were trying to trap. He knows he's messed up. The next verse, Daniel answered, O king, my God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions, and they have not hurt me at all, because God knew I've done nothing against him or you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the pit. And when Daniel was lifted out, there was not a single scratch on his body because he had trusted God. It says he came out of the pit without a single scratch on his body. Friends, that is a miracle. You know, has God ever rescued you out of a pit? Are you in a pit right now? Maybe you're in a pit of your own making. I want to encourage you to praise God in that pit. Praise God in that pit. God will rescue you. you. Daniel says, God came to my rescue. God wants to rescue you. Number four, it encourages other believers to stand up. Now, when you stand up for God, it encourages other believers to stand up. You know, courage is contagious. Let's look at what uh, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 1.14. Because of what I've been through, many Christians here have gained confidence and become more bold in telling others about Christ. Your boldness will encourage other Christians to be bold. Here's what I want you to do. When you're in your small group, share your stories of how you stood strong for God publicly. That will encourage the others in your small group to stand strong in their faith. Not only is it an encouragement to other believers when you stand up for God. Number five, it's a powerful example to unbelievers. How you handle pain, how you handle rejection, how you handle difficult uh, uh, circumstances is, is possibly one of your greatest witnesses to unbelievers. Because of this incident, King Darius, this pagan king, he becomes a believer in Daniel's God. He is the second king that Daniel leads to faith in God. Verses uh, 25 through 28, it says... After he saw this, after he saw all this happen, it says, Then King Darius sent this proclamation to every nation, race, and language on earth. I decree that the God of Daniel is to be honored and worshipped in every part of my kingdom, for he is the living God. He's the one who endures forever. His kingdom will outlast all the human kingdoms. He is a God who rescues and saves. He does miracles just as he rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. This pagan king, he keeps going on and on and on about our God. Our God is the living God. Our God is the God that rescues and saves, and He is rescuing and saving people to this very day. 
goes on to say, so Daniel continued to be successful during the reign of King Darius and then in the following reign of Cyrus the Persian. Bing, another promotion. Guy is amazing. Why? Because he stands strong for God publicly. He's committed to his faith. And as a result, a king comes to God. You know, wouldn't you like that to happen in your life? Man, how would you like to lead your boss to Christ? How would you like to lead the uh, waiter or waitress who serves you at the restaurant to Christ? Or how about the coach who uh, coaches your kid's sports team? Man, how cool would that be? Let me give you one more uh, example of how it can be an encouragement to unbelievers. You know, in about four months, we're going to be in the Christmas season. During the Christmas time, we see mangers. And who do we see in that manger? We see uh, Joseph, we see Mary, we see Jesus, we see the shepherds. Who else do we see? We see the three wise men. Matthew 2, one through, uh, verses 1 through 2. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star from the east and have come to worship him. Wise men from the east. Do you know where that's from? That's from Babylonian Empire and the Persian Empire. How in the world do a bunch of pagan wise men know the prophecy of the Messiah? Could it be because of Daniel? Because 18 generations earlier, Daniel, uh, in, in a pagan culture, he prayed in the open. He talked about God in the open. He led two pagan kings to God. Daniel's tests... Daniel's faith, Daniel's testimony was known all throughout the Babylonian and Persian empire. So here's my question to you. Will your children, will your grandchildren, will your, will your great-grandchildren know that you stood strong for God publicly? One more. Number six, standing strong for God will be rewarded in eternity. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew Chapter 5, Jesus is saying this. He says, consider yourself blessed if people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you because of me. If that happens, be happy, knowing that you will be rewarded greatly in heaven. And remember that you're in good company. They did the same thing to all my witnesses before you. Man, stand strong. Speak out. God will reward you greatly in heaven. And remember, you're in good company. You're not alone. Remember the story of Daniel. You know, Daniel's ending strong at 82 years old. He's not even finished yet. There's more to come. He doesn't believe in retirement. You know, in the Bible, the Bible there's nowhere in the Bible where it says Christians get to retire. I know some of you are disappointed about that, but but here's the deal. I want, you to, I want you to stand strong in your teens and 20s. I want you to stay strong for God in, in, in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s. And I want you to end strong in your 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond. Will you stand strong for God publicly? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Give us the courage to stand against our fears and make you known to a lost world. 
make our lives and how we handle rejection and pain and difficult circumstances be a testimony to you, the living God, the God who rescues. I want everybody to keep your head bowed and your, and your eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you've never trusted Jesus with your life, I just want you to know something. You're in a pit. You're in a pit right now. The Bible tells us that there is an enemy and he is like a roaring lion and his objective is to destroy you. And he wants to, he wants to do that by keeping you far from God. But I want you to know God wants to rescue you this morning out of that pit. He wants to rescue you from the enemy. So would you consider this morning putting your trust in Jesus Christ? Surrender your whole life to Him. Let Him rescue you. He wants to give you a new life, an eternal life full of purpose and meaning. If that is you, I want you to pray this prayer quietly to yourself. Follow along with me. Jesus, today I surrender. I give up. I've been living my life my own way. I've dug my own pit. I trust you today to guide me and to lead me for the rest of my life. I want you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to help you get your new life, this life with Jesus, started off on the right track. Because I want you to stand strong for God publicly. Everybody's got their heads bowed, eyes closed. The only person that's going to see you is me. I want you to raise your hand if you trusted Jesus Christ with your life this morning. Praise God. Put your hand down. God, we thank you for rescuing us and loving us. In Jesus' name we praise you. Amen.